I have tapes and they are hot, all quite ting ting, it's the start of the pod. My team's good and yours is not quite down ting ting, it's the start of Hello! Coming to you in a pre-recorded fashion from the empty league offices in Upper Arlington, Ohio, I am CJ. This is Don't Fear the Keeper. Joining me, of course, is the meatball man himself, Chuck Kesa. How we doing, Chuck? We are doing outstanding because football is officially back. Woo! It's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It feels like it took a long time to get here. Especially the fact that the draft was like you know like eighteen weeks ago during you know week two of the preseason. Um, I'm ready to get to get some actual games going to get the league officially started and um, just to get rolling with fall and football. It's my favorite time of year, John. I don't know about you, but it is my favorite time oh, yeah. of year. Absolutely, just, and I think I, I will say, yeah, please. Just, just, just everything about fall is is better. There's football is just mm-hmm. here and very present. All the bugs die or go away or hibernate. I don't know where all the bugs go when they come back in the summer. They're, they're not fall. here. They're not, they're not here. And also, you know, John, we're both fair skinned guys ourselves. Mm-hmm. The sun's one of our natural enemies. And the sun goes away a lot in the fall and is not as big of a threat to my well-being. So that's also fun. Well, you know what, Chuck? I'm in on all those things as well. Uh, I will say your point earlier. uh, I think one of the biggest negatives of having the draft so early is it made it feel like it was going to take a full decade for the actual season to start. Exactly. All right. Well, folks, as we've been discussing, the wait is close. Or the wait's almost over. Wait is close to being done. Whatever. I, I say the wait. The wait is over. The wait is. I over. think by the time by the time people are hearing this, it'll be tomorrow. Yeah. It's it, it's it's tomorrow, and then Thursday night football is the next night. No, I think I think the wait is over officially now. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, with that, uh, you know, nine of us begin our campaigns for the Peachog, and uh, Alex begins his march towards the toilet bowl. So that's very exciting. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, John. And speaking of Alok, Charlie, I got to say, I kind of feel like he knocked the hype video out of the park on this one. I think it was a very impressive effort from him. So this was the thing, is that I didn't know what to expect. When he said he was making a hype video, I was like, huh, this could be go a lot of different ways. And then I never said this, but he would like text me being like, do you have audio from the pods last year? Like you wanted me to like send him like the recordings, like the MP3s. Yeah. And he kept saying it's all for the hype video. Um, I love the direction he went. I thought it was outstanding. I was laughing my ass off most of the time. Uh, it was good. Yeah. But I, I mean, I thought, you know, 10 out of 10. Um, but I just, I, I really want to know how long it took him to make that because he was like setting up shots and like had oh, a lot yeah. of different angles. And like there was clearly, there was, there was a clearly an extensive amount of writing and planning that had to go into this. And I, I just want to know what, uh, what, what the production process was. It had to have been like three, two, three weeks because he started texting. I mean, I'm assuming he texted you the same time he started texting me 
uh, asking for materials and stuff. So, and that was like three weeks ago. So I think, yeah, he took his time on this one. And, and I thought it was great. So nice job, Alex. 10 out of 10. It was, I do. I am curious though. How much do you think Alex's neighbors hate him as he stood in his apartment blowing a whistle for like a day? That that's really uh, probably a lot. Um, <laughs> With the a whistle, a coach's whistle is yeah. maybe the most piercing sound out there. Yeah, there's no way they didn't hear it. Yeah, like they heard it very clearly. And I know that he was just like acting, but I it was also probably at like eight o'clock in the morning, like what he was doing, <laughs> you know. It was, and it was also like he was yelling for a good portion of that. This is true. Well, uh, you know, and Props to you, Alex, for that sacrifice of making all of your neighbors loathe you so we could have a great hype video. So, yeah, thank you again. Uh, all right, Chuck, let's uh, let's get talking about a little football, not fantasy variety, but, you know, the college season did kick off this past weekend. OSU got a win. Uh, there were some upsets. There was some fun stuff. What, what were you watching, Chuck? So I watched a little bit of everything. I, of course, uh, caught Ohio State, and then actually my brother – played Saturday night. So I was following most of the rest of the games at like one of the bars we were at before the game and then on my phone and stuff. And then I caught um, like Oklahoma on Sunday and then uh, well, who played Notre Dame played yesterday. So I watched that game as well. Yeah, those were, I mean, there was a lot of good football. I think my favorite was definitely Auburn and Oregon. Uh, I think that, yeah, I caught that game Saturday night. That was a that was one. a really solid one. I think Auburn actually might have it in them to pull off some like really dumb upset of Bama this year. So you know, I uh, I have some faith. I do. Yeah. So a couple things. So uh, after Auburn, Oregon, great game. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert just chucked the ball into the stands for the hail mary. That was outstanding. You got such a cannon. But, but then no, you forget it's not technically Pacto after dark. Right, but USC played Fresno State. I don't know if they kicked off at midnight or ten thirty, whatever. But I was watching that game. I fell asleep, woke up at like two o'clock in the morning, and the game was still like going on. So I was, I was just like, "This is this is football is back." <laughs> and uh, USC's quarterback towards ACL in the middle of that. Uh, yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, I would say though, just real quick on college football. Right. So really. Besides Ohio State, there's four teams that we that really, really care about. I'll start the Big Ten. And it's Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Mm-hmm. So I took the liberty of um, breaking down these teams' schedules. I just want to rattle off the tough games and also the, and therefore the joke of a schedule that all these teams have. Right. So Oklahoma, one tough game all season. Um, week seven at Texas. That's really it. They play Iowa State at home, which could be a tough game, yeah. but most likely not. Yeah. Iowa State almost um, lost to Northern Iowa or what? Eastern Iowa. In the, tri- in, the, in the triple overtime yeah. against Northern Iowa. So, yeah, Iowa State, Big 12, not good. Um, Alabama, they actually have three tough games. Wow. They play at Texas A&M. They play at home against LSU. And, of course, rivalry week is for the Iron Bowl, is in Auburn this year. So that's actually tough. Georgia, to me, actually has the hardest of um, the schedules of these four. 
They play at home versus Notre Dame. They play at Auburn. They play against Texas A&M. So, there's, so two of their cross-division games are Auburn and A&M. Which that is sucks. A, kind of a tough draw. And then they're at Florida. And I don't know if you want to determine if Florida is good or not. From what I saw in the Florida-Miami game, not Florida great. is not good. No. And then Clemson has one tough game all season. It is um, this week, actually, at home against Texas A&M. The only other possible game they could maybe lose is next week. They play in Syracuse. The ACC is just so bad. Yeah. Clemson's going to win every game by 50, and that'll be it. I will say, though, there is there is a nightmare scenario that I see, though, for this college football season. And maybe that's not a, not a nightmare scenario, but it's um, LSU beats – or, sorry, uh, I, I want to get this right. Um, you got this. L- LSU loses to Alabama – in a very, very close game. I'm talking like a field goal at the end. Yeah. Alabama goes on to narrowly beat Georgia in the SEC title game by, again, some sort of field goal like that. Hail Mary, yeah. Hail Mary type of thing. Oklahoma and Ohio State each win their conferences with one, maybe two losses, but then you'll something crazy happens, and then the Pac 12 just sucks. You're going to have some people. Their name might be Paul Feinbaum, claiming that the f- playoff should be Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. Yeah. Not two, but three SEC teams. So I'm waiting for something like that to happen. I know it's going to happen this year. Um, That's a nightmare. But, that is a nightmare. But the, you just got to love the fact that the week seven college, you just don't know what's going to happen in college football. No, yeah, it's it's all up for grabs, and that's kind of what I'm excited about. Is that I don't even know how good Ohio State's going to be this year. Honestly, they could. They could lose four games. I really have no sense for this team. The the tough games, as I'm telling you, I'm calling major trap game. They're, they play Nebraska, Michigan State, back-to-back, and then have to play a game in Evanston, Illinois, against Northwestern. That has trap game written all yeah. over it. Yeah, that could be one that if we win, it's like 20-16 to 16 or something weird. like. Or it goes into overtime. Or that could be... It's they're not a black team with a cancer patient, but oh, shit, yeah, that could be one of the, our game for this year. So yeah, that let's just hope that they don't have a, a any any ill kids for other reasons, but also because I don't want you know morale. Um, exactly. Okay, uh, and then looking ahead here, Chuck, I was looking through the NFL Week One schedule today, and it's like there are actually some really good games this week. I was kind of shocked at how much they packed in a week one. I mean, even the Thursday night game, you got Packers-Bears. Like, that's a legit game. Like, that's going to be so, fun to watch. So, um, as everybody everybody probably knows, but in case you don't, typically that first Thursday night game is the, the defending Super Bowl champion hosts that game yeah. usually. Typically, it's the plan. But this year, for the NFL's 100th season, they're having the two oldest franchise, the, the Packers and the Bears, play. And that game is kind of a whole thing. And the Patriots, of course, play Sunday night against Pittsburgh as their like reward for winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, that I mean, that's going to be a good game, too. Yeah, but I also learned this. Um, last year, the Bears and Packers played Sunday night because it was celebrating the Packers' 100th season. So the Green Bay Packers are somehow older than the NFL. <laughs> by so a that's year. Just, just, but riddle me that. But that's just how that worked out. So 
That sounds like something that would be true of the Green Bay Packers and only that franchise, really. Uh, or the Yankees might claim that with the MLB somehow. I don't know how they do that's, it, but they try. True. But to me, there are, there are six big games that I'm really interested in watching this week. Okay. Green Bay, Chicago, obviously. Um, hometown one, Tennessee at Cleveland. I will be in attendance for that game. Right. Um, I'm a little worried about the Browns this year. I'm not going to lie. I mean, um, a lot of hype. Yeah, how do I? But so, like, apparently, Cleveland fans are allowed to be arrogant and cocky now. So, that part of my fandom is like, oh man, Brown's like going to win like 11, 12 games, like easily win the division, go to the playoffs. Uh, then the other part of me that's like, hey, this is the Browns. They are still the Browns until proven otherwise. Uh, in case everybody forgets, uh, the Browns had maybe the best interior O line last year with Joe Batonio, JC Treader, Kevin Zeitler. And they trade Zeitler to the Giants as part of the Olivier Vernon Odell Beckham thing. Yeah, you wouldn't. Everybody, every, everybody thought that that was because they had they drafted this dude last year, Austin Corbett, with the thirty third overall pick. They're like, oh, he's ready to step in. He'll just be the right guard. We'll be good to go. Oh no, no, he is not good. He's now the backup center. Not getting any reps at right guard. And the Browns have gone on to sign like 17 guards <laughs> in the last week. So they are clearly looking for answers on the O-line, which could spell problems. But uh, but I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I mean, I, I still think you guys will have the offensive firepower to overcome whatever offensive line deficiencies. I mean, like the Texans had a terrible offensive line last year, and they were still like, a pretty respectable team. So I think you guys are going to be okay. That's fair. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so Green Bay, Chicago, Tennessee, Cleveland, Atlanta at Minnesota. Atlanta is the underdog of this game. So I'm curious. That could be a little interesting wrinkle. That seems wrong. Um, the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Don't know how that's not the Sunday night game. Cause they seem like without the, Zeke. Yeah. It seems like the, when the Giants play the Cowboys, it's always Sunday night or Thursday night or something like that, because the Giants are just that bad. Yeah. Without Zeke, but apparently Zeke is coming back. So so who knows? Yeah, I wanted to get into that. I did. But you continue with your, uh, your your games of the week, and then we'll get to that. And then it's just the last two is uh, Pittsburgh at New England. And then on Monday night, uh, Houston at New Orleans. People forget we have two Monday night games. The one is, I think, Denver is playing Oakland, and then the, but the first one is Houston at New Orleans, which I think should be a really interesting game, um, specifically with the fact that the Texans have just foregone all future drafts. Just nuked their team, or yeah. their future team, I guess. For, for Larry McTunsell and Kenny Stills. So, it, could, it could work out. I don't know that it will, but it, I, they could be a lot better than they were before I, that. I, I would say you, you brought up their O-line. Basically, their first five picks of the draft were like offensive linemen, and then they traded for Laramie Tunsil. So they it should, should they should have a great O line or at least a better one. So I mean, Texans are be an interesting team, but yeah, that's just kind of the slate that I'm looking forward to, uh, to keep my eyes on. Oh yeah. Uh, what about you, John? Anything? So I, I agree. I would add Colts Chargers. I think to that. That's one that I really genuinely want to watch because of this Andrew Luck thing. I want to see if Jacoby Brissett can like you know hold up under uh what is going to be a lot of expectation but at the same time not a lot is being expected of him like he has this dual like people are going to be comparing him to andrew luck but also no one thinks that he can do it 
type of situation. So I don't know exactly how he's going to react to that. Uh, I'm against a pretty good Chargers team, a really good Chargers defense. So I'm kind of really curious about that one. How about the Colts, too, just doubling down on Jacoby Brissett, giving him that extension for $30 million oh, I didn't even see that. Oh, they shit. Gave like a, they gave him like a two-year $30 million extension or something. I'm like, man, they're really doubling down on Jacoby here. Okay, so maybe he is their guy. You know, Maybe they're liking what they're seeing. Well, uh, I, I'm interested. I am. I'm interested yeah, to see. Yeah, but sure. to, to get back around to what you were talking about before, the big news of the weekend, a, a dual thing, both Zeke and Melvin Gordon had some news. Zeke allegedly coming back from Cabo again. This is the second time in like three weeks that we're hearing this, that he's allegedly flying back to sign a deal. Last time he turned down the second biggest contract for running back in the NFL, but allegedly he's coming back to the table here. So I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of me, I don't have any of my fantasy teams. So part of me is like, hey, Zeke, just just hang out in Cabo and don't come back. Yeah, <laughs> let's go party. But it is interesting. Uh, he's an exciting player. Um, so, I mean, you, you love to see him out there. But it's so I just think it's really interesting. I was totally wrong on my which running back is going to play first thing. Um, I, I mean, I could, yeah, that take just gets cold. I couldn't have been more wrong, as it turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really – that'll be one of those like storylines to watch. People that got Zeke like seventh, eighth overall or in like the third round of their draft, like sitting pretty good right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, compared with Melvin Gordon, who Alex just has to cross his fingers and hope that they trade him. And I don't know that they will, but he's really got to hope that they trade him. Yeah, uh, things are not getting better. Uh, also, how no. about how about the Chargers GM just doubling down and being like, if Melvin comes back, he will play under his current contract. Like, well, so he's just not going to solve anything, so that's good. Yeah, he's just not playing this year in a Chargers uniform. Yeah. He might, if somebody gives some ridiculous deal, I guess they deal him. But allegedly, even then, allegedly they've gotten a call from a team. A single team about a Melvin That's Gordon. That's it. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm going to assume. That, I'm, gonna, I'm going to assume their asking price is. Uh, yeah, it's got to be. If they're telling him, "Hey, go ahead and seek a trade," it means that they're not going to make a trade unless, like, the haul is just ridiculous. Well, here's the interesting thing. So with Jadavion Clowney, he had to sign his franchise tender in order to be able to be traded. So he basically yeah. got the pick which team he wanted to go to. Melvin Gordon is not in this situation. I don't believe he is. I don't think he's on him. No, he's not. Yeah, it's just, but they're making him look for the trade partner. Yeah, so they could trade him anywhere. If the fucking Dolphins are like, you know what? we don't Nothing makes sense anymore in Miami. Let's trade for <laughs> Melvin Gordon. And they could go to Miami and just rot there. So, Yep. Yeah, I that'd be kind of fun if they just fucked him on this. But... Yeah, Alex is kind of in a hole here. Yeah. But, yeah, the one thing I do want to bring up before we, we move on to other right. segments and things. Uh, so, as we all know, um, I'm a big follower and fan of NFL referees and officiating. Um, so and in, commentators. But yeah, yeah, in commentators. An interesting wrinkle. An, interest, an interesting wrinkle. That was English. Um, here we go. Only one of the 17 NFL officiating crews – are returning the same as last year. And that wow. crew that crew is a crew headed by veteran referee, the last of the two remaining 
great refs. So there's two. He's one of the two remaining great refs. Uh, Bill Vinovich. So, well, sure. So Bill Vinovich, it's Bill Vinovich and Jerome Boger are the two like great officials that are still left. And if you're wondering, his crew is doing um, Falcons at Vikings week one. So that, that Falcons-Vikings game got a lot more interesting. But I'm, I said that for a reason is that um, look out for some missed calls or some interesting things. You can challenge pass interference now. Um, yeah. That new officiating crews could all be an interesting wrinkle in, in all of that. So keep an eye on, on blown calls and stat corrections and things. So. I did see that there was some rumblings that, you know, this might be not as bad as the year that all the refs went on strike, but it, it could be uh, that type of situation. And it's the thing where the NFL just had all of these refs retire recently, like all of their big ones retired. And so mm-hmm. there was nobody to really teach the new officials how to you know be good. And so they're just kind of going, kind of winging it now. So just going for it. Yeah, gotta so, respect that. So it should be interesting, uh, but but look for officiating to be a uh, interesting storyline in week one. And if necessary, I, I hope that one crew, like by like week four, we're like, man, this crew just sucks. Because then I'll be able to file, I'll be able to report, <laughs> yeah. on the bad crews every week. So that's just more content for me to give out, though. So, <laughs> all right, folks, keep an eye out just in case you see any blown calls. Report back to Charlie if there's anything really bad, because you know he needs it. He does need it. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to move on now to our segments. Uh, let's take you guys into the overs. Always alive. Okay. So this is going to be a new format here uh for chuck and i so last year what we found was uh whoever made the bet so whoever wasn't setting the the over under really had an advantage if you set the over under you pretty much just got fucked and lost every single time as it turns out john and i are not professional odds makers and (laughs) don't know how to do that correctly so yeah we're bad at it folks uh so we're gonna turn that on its head a little bit what we're gonna do here is Chuck and I are each going to set one over under the other. will get the chance to make a bet on it and we're going to go about it that way. So hopefully things will even out. We're going to do uh, five bucks per bet. Uh, we're going to see what the total is at the end of the season. Uh, see who's a little bit better at this. So with that in mind, Chuck, would you like to go first? I will. So my over under, Oh fuck. I got to log into my ESPN account again. <laughs> we'll just wait. We're doing this live, folks. This is uh, this is outstanding. This is just a quick reminder. This is outstanding, right? Okay, I'm in. Okay. Um, so I don't know if you've looked at the the lineups, uh, Zach, or the matchups. Sorry. Um, one one team is particularly low in their projections. That is a team of Ben Hood. When I saw that, yeah. I was like, "Oh, Ben Hood doesn't have a kicker in defense." And nope, full lineup. And right now, it's protected to beat Zach with no kicker, mind you, um, by one point. So, Ben's team's interesting. So, John, my line for you is uh, Ben Hood will finish over under ninth overall in scoring this week. Now, the over means will be better than ninth, and the under means he'll finish tenth, essentially. Uh, 
So hang on, let me let me look at Ben's matchups here. If I remember correctly, I think that Ben has tough matchups like defensively. What the hell? Oh, perfect. Fantasy cast is giving me an ad. Okay. Here we go. This is yeah, outstanding. It really is. Yeah, you got Aaron Rodgers against Chicago. You got Joe Mixon against Seattle. Uh, Tyreek Hill against Jacksonville. I'm going to go the under, which would be ninth or worst, right? Or worse than ninth. He, he has to finish 10th. If he finishes ninth, then we push. And then no one. I, I'm giving it. I'm giving it the under. I'm sorry, Ben, but this is. I like his team, but it's. It, this is a tough week. Okay. Outstanding. All right. So that was mine for you. Ben Hood. John has Ben finishing 10th overall, so last in scoring this week. Dead last. I'm, I apologize again, Ben, but I, I got to trust my gut on this one. Okay. Uh, let's get into mine. So, Charlie, mine's going to be player-specific here. Uh, so you're familiar with uh, Todd Gurley, I take it. That I am. And, Alex, and Al, Alex Adler's first round pick. First round. Bizarrely taken, way too high. So Todd Gurley and his arthritic knee are going to be going up against the Panthers uh, this week. So I did some math on it. So last year, uh, in the games that he was healthy, so not counting those last two weeks where he was like just not present, uh, he averaged 22.5 touches per game. So... Now this year, the Rams are saying they're going to be cutting his touches uh, to try to keep him healthy towards the end of the season. So, Charlie, I'm going to give you over under 16.5 touches in week one for the Todd father. They're playing Carolina, who I, don't think, is, who I don't think is very good. I think Cam Newton's still hurt. I'm, go- I'm going to say under six- 16 and a half. Yeah, 16 and a half. I'm going to say under 16 and a half because I think that they will get a big lead and they'll be like, okay, Tiger is just out, put in Daryl yeah, Henderson. Yeah, Daryl Henderson or whatever his name is. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take the over. I think he could do it. But okay, so there you go. So we got, I have Ben finishing 10th overall in points four and Charlie has less than 16 and a half touches for Todd Gurley week one. We'll check back on that next week, see where we come out, see if anybody's up a couple bucks here. Yes. I do like this, though, because you're either going to go – it's either going to be – I guess technically we could push yours, but in a lot of these weeks it's either going to be we finish dead even or somebody wins 10 bucks. This is true. Which I kind of like. It's going to be big swings. I, I like the you know the, the, tense, the, the tension. There it is. There, there's the word. Okay. Well, with that over, uh, we're going to move on to our next segment. And a new segment here, uh, it's going to be called Grinds My Sausage. You know what really grinds my gears, 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 gears? When you see my face, hope it gives you hell, hope it gives you hell. When you walk my way, hope it gives you hell, So, Charlie, would you like to explain to the folks uh, what you have for them here today? So I explain the segment or just do it? Uh, I mean, I think people just do it because I think people are going to figure out exactly what's going on. Okay, so here's the thing. I know for a fact that I listen to the most sports talk radio, nationally, local, and otherwise, of anybody in this group. Yeah. Because I listen to it pretty much all day at work. Various podcasts, various actual radio and things like that. Here's one thing you get. You get two types of guys. You get the guys that are very, very young that think that all of the best players played in the last like two years, 
Or you have the guys that are very, very old, and they're like, after 1990, forget about it. Nobody good played except for Michael Jordan. So those are the two schools of people you have. And there's a there's a big mix, but all of the old guys are like, it really pisses me off with all the old guys are like, Baker Mayfield, he's too polarizing, won't be a good player because he's too arrogant. Um, he won't be successful because solely because of his attitude. He's not humble enough to be a leader. Stuff like that, which makes no sense to me because humility is not like a, uh, prerequisite leadership tweet or, or trait, yeah. it's, not, it's not also not a prerequisite to success. And to show you that, I'd like to rattle off some all time greats of various sports who are notably not humble and kind of assholes. Okay, okay, here we go. Number one, Joe Namath, yeah, <laughs> Tiger Woods, notably not humble, no, Brett Favre, not humble, Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal, literally still tells people that he's better than them at the age of however old he is and whatever much he weighs. Um, Conor McGregor fights people regularly outside of telling people how good he is. In bars. Yeah. Um, LeBron often yeah. says he's the greatest player that ever lived. Not humble. Um, basically, every championship boxer that ever lived including Floyd yep. Mayweather. And of course, like Muhammad Ali, like the greatest athlete of all time, did a bunch of awesome stuff for like racial rights and equality and stuff. Maybe the least humble person of all time. Like he's literally on record saying, I am the greatest. Like no one can yeah. beat me ever. I'm Muhammad Ali. Like, like literally, like maybe the least humble person of all time, but like also like hands down, considered the greatest athlete ever. Um, Usain Bolt, Kobe, Larry Bird, like infinitely, like infinitely not all not humble guys. Like all time greats, notably trash talkers are not humble. So let's dial back on humility and his attitude. Let's let the play to determine where he stands. That's all I've got, John. No, I agree with you. Uh, I think yeah, we're getting to a point where I, I feel like the like you know swagger, as long as it stays on the field, almost buoys you know, sort of the team, like it's no longer, we're no longer in a place where like, I feel like the other players would like turn up their noses at it. Like, I feel like they'd buy in. There'd be a lot more swagger uh, surrounding the team. It's once it gets off the field, a la Johnny Manziel, that all of a sudden you start running into issues. That, I can agree with that. If that is correct. But let, but let's not be like, oh, he, Baker like planted the flag and grabbed his crotch against Kansas. Not going to be a good player ever again. Like, no, that's not correct. Um, no. no, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that's all blown out of proportion. And it does piss me off when it gets thrown around. Guys like like Cam Newton when he started doing all the dancing and everything. Like that, it's you know just fun. Just fuck off. Uh, okay. Well, that was great, Chuck. I really, I, I was a big fan of that. That I think we're going to keep bringing that around. I like to hear what grinds your sausage. Appreciate that, John. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to get into uh, our first predictions of the year. We got uh start a fresh slate. Chuck, I think it was close last year, wasn't it? I don't really remember exactly what the, uh, I the final not, standings I, were. I know that I won, but I think it was, it was close. Maybe, I think it was like by four games or something, four or five games the most. Okay, well, you know what? You're not the commission anymore. Let's see, Charlie, if I can uh, turn things around here for myself and for the for the raging Rutledges. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be setting what the marquee matchup is. So so we'll just go through them here, Chuck. First, 
game. Uh, we're going to go with Colin versus Gary. Uh, so this is one, I, I think that it's going to be a pretty good game. I think it's going to be tight. Uh, Pat Mahomes, uh, Adam Jones, or Aaron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, they they all have some pretty tough matchups. Uh, Baker and Odell, I think, are probably going to do pretty well against Tennessee. Like, the Titans' defense is shitty. Uh, Derrick Henry, it probably isn't going to get off the ground against the Browns. He's, I, I think he's overmatched there. Uh, so I think that brings Colin down to earth a little bit, but I don't know that Gary has the juice to catch him. So I'm going to go with Colin and a nail biter here. So I have a little different there. I am going to go with Gary on this one okay. um, for a couple of reasons. One, the Browns are very, very hyped, but had a noticeably or like a notably bad run defense last year. And they really only improved their D-line. They didn't get any better at linebacker. Um, so I still think Derek Henry is going to be able to uh, get a decent amount of yards. And I really like the Ertz and Juju matchup. I think those are going to be uh, big point avenues for him. And going on the way, I think the jury is still going to be out on Aaron Jones. And you know, you've got Tyler Lockett and stuff and Kittle. Kittle should should be big, but I think there's a lot of questions now with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's why I think it's close in the numbers, maybe not safe, but I, I'm going to lean towards Gary on this one. No, I agree with you. I think it's definitely going to be close. It's just a uh... – yeah, no, I just – I have more faith in Collins' team, I think, than in Garrison's – in its ability to overcome a couple tough, tough matchups. I will say, I think we need to shut this out now – we joked around during the draft that Garrison was going to start Austin Hooper as his flex, and he's fucking doing it. And I got to say, salute Garrison. That's uh, that's good work right there. Yeah, I really don't know, besides Tevin Coleman, maybe, who he would start. Well, actually, Marvin maybe D.D. Westbrook, like down the line, but uh, that's sort of unproven they're, that right now. They're playing the they're playing the Cardinals, though, that the Lions are, so they could also start him. Yeah. That's, well, yeah, I don't know. But I, I like it for right now. I think that's just, A, it's kind of fun. It's just sort of funny. But uh, B, yeah, I, I think it could potentially actually be his best flex play. So, boy Gary. Okay, so now we're going to move on to Brian v. Mike. Uh, this one, uh, I, I think this one is also going to be pretty close. Uh, once again, Mike wound up with a pretty good team despite really not showing up to the draft. Uh, Pollard going to be a big question mark, assuming that Zeke does not show up within the next like two or three days. Pollard's going to be getting the start and he's allegedly going to be getting a, a good share of the yards. So it's a big question if they're going to trust him with like, you know, a goal line situation, if they're going to be throwing to him a lot, how often is he really going to be on the field? Uh, Cook, uh, Thielen, I think that they're going to be primed for some big days against Atlanta, especially, you know, like you said, Chuck, uh, love playing in a dome. Um, and AB is going to be a big question mark for Mike here. Uh, can he, you know, actually get on the same page as Derek Carr? Can he keep his fucking helmet on? I think that both these two teams are going to put up a good number of points here. And I'm going to take Brian in a shootout. Um, so I think there's an interesting thing with the Zeke thing here. So it, it's it looking it's looking like Zeke will sign a contract before the game. I think the worst case scenario and what could happen is he signs on like Thursday. Yeah. 
or maybe even later than that, and is active for the game. But they're like, oh, he's not up to speed yet. So him and Pollard basically have split the carries for, for one game. And then Zeke would take over. So where nobody really gets the bulk share of the points. Yeah, that would kind of fuck him there, definitely. Listen, I don't like Mike's matchups, but I can't pick um, I can't pick Brian to win. So I will pick I will pick Mike over Brian. Okay, we we are going against each other in the first two. That's uh, this is going to lead to some some parity here, I think, in the uh, in our picking standings after this week, Chuck, and I'm excited about it. Okay, uh, on to Ben v Zach. Uh, you got a little. Did notice Ben changed his name to Ligma Dig, so that's great. I think that that I gives him another point or two in my book. So I I went through this before. I I'm picking Zach because I think that Ben is not going to have a good week. I'm picking him as tenth in points for meaning that he can literally not possibly uh, beat anyone, let alone Zach. Uh, Rogers, Mixon, Hill, all having tough matchups. Uh, Le'Veon, well, I'm not sure that he's going to be good going up against the Bills. That's a real softball of an early season matchup for him. Uh, I think this is Zach in a landslide. Um, I also think Zach takes this one. Um, there's a reason that I said that Ben, I give it the option that Ben could finish anywhere better than ninth or 10th. And you took 10th. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to be a very good week for Ben. No, it's good. I think that Ben is going to have a really good season uh, after this week. But yeah, his three best players probably are going to be buried under some pretty good defenses. So that's just, that's going to be tough. Okay. Moving on to my matchup, actually. We're going to give a little Paul v. CJ. Uh, Once again, this is the third straight year that Paul and I are playing in week one. The first year hitting out by like 30. and I'd just like to um, make a little note there. The first two years, the schedule was the same. We've reset the schedule for this year in order to help like facilitate rivalry week. So it just happened again. Yeah, that was this was just luck of the draw that you're playing each other again. It is. This was actually completely random, and yeah, it wound up with Paul and I. And again, all these matchups the past two years have been very polarizing like i said he won by like 30 year one and in year two i think no i won by 30 year one and he won by like 40 last year so we're gonna see if there's another blowout this year i think the blowout definitely favors me uh mccaffrey and adams are gonna have some tough matchups but Fournette is going up against uh a kansas city defense that hasn't done a ton to improve itself uh and he'll be looking to break out uh eckler hilton Still not sure exactly what their contribution is going to be. Uh, you know, those guys are either dealing with backups or in Eckler's case, he is a backup. So who could really say? And then uh, Delaney Walker and uh, Williams, uh, I think they're going to be underwhelming in this first game against, you know, Jacksonville and Cleveland. Those are two tough defenses. Uh, so I'm going to take me by 40. Um, I've got Paul. Only for, oh. only for the reason that... By 40 or no? On, I will not call the spread on this one. Okay. Um, okay. Only for the reason that Paul is a very good regular season team. And he is known for this. Like, Paul could very well score 400 points this week. Like, like his teams just do that. 
especially early in the regular season. So I've got right. Paul only for the fact that we've seen this song and dance before with him, and he does well in the regular season. So I've got I've got Paul, but you've got yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're wrong on this one, just because I think that this is Paul's weakest year yet. So we're gonna see if he can maintain this whole making the playoffs every season thing. Uh, all right, final marquee matchup. This one was obvious. Uh, we have a rematch of the 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 Peach Hog game from last year. We got Chuck Yu versus Alex. Uh, like I said, this is this is big. You know, Alex is looking for some vengeance. Uh, Chuck, like you said, uh, Atlanta is playing every game in a dome, and thus you went all in on them. Uh, but they have a they have a, a little bit of a tough matchup here. The Vikings defense is no pushover. Uh, Amari Cooper, I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more than, you know, they usually would with Zeke out, but I still am not 100% sure on him, but I think Alex has a lot of soft matchups here. You got Michael Thomas, Houston doesn't really have a lockdown corner. Uh, the Rams are going up against the Panthers. So I, I think that that's going to be a pretty solid, uh, you know, win for them. A lot of points to spread around. So I'm going to go by Al. I'm going to go with Alex, but it's going to be a close one. Skin of his teeth. Um, I don't think it's any surprise. I'm taking myself in this one. Um, yeah. You, you might notice Jay that I am now on my third tight end. I started with Eric Ebron. Then it was Jordan Reed. Here's the thing. Jordan Reed, I think he's just dead. Like he's got this concussion and they're like, yeah, he might be back by like week two. Just, I think he's like, 10th concussion, I think. Stop playing football, Jordan Reed, or stop getting hurt or something. But I've gone with my Cleveland Brown, David Njoku, who I wanted to draft during the actual draft, you know? But Mm -hmm. Colin very famously said this is a part of the draft we start screwing people and took Njoku as a second second tight end. end. And I I don't know if you remember this, but I sent that message with the rejected trade thing a couple weeks ago to show like the yeah. new notifications. It was a trade. It was Eric Ebron for David and Joku was a trade that I sent Colin. And instead Colin just dropped him. Well, he's the thing is that he was like, ah, like he tried to offer me Mike Williams or for David and Joku. And I was like, ah, I got to know about Mike Williams. He could be a good player this year. So I figured like I was fine to stream a tight end knowing full well that there's going to be a decent chance that we've, our league is set up such that, it's very difficult to hold a guy on your bench out of spite. It's just really yes. not a, unless he's hurt, there's not a lot of roster spots to go around. So I figured at some point Colin would have to drop him, and lo and behold, uh, he did. And I picked yeah, him like up immediately. Yeah, pretty much immediately. So I basically called his bluff on that one. So I'm very happy with myself for that. But I've got David Ajoku. and the reason I think that I really like him is that the Browns don't have a big wide receiver like OBJ and Landry are both like 5'11 like no Antonio yeah, Callaway not- very sure they don't have one of those big like Julio Jones or I'm gonna go make the corner my son type of thing on like the like, red I, zone target yeah like but Njoku is is that guy I think he's like 6'6 or 6'7 or something just an absolute monster I think he could be the guy to go to for those little fades in the end zone or stuff over the middle that's why I think that he's gonna have I think I don't think I'll have that many receptions, but I could see him having a, a disproportionate amount of touchdowns compared to how many receptions he has. That's why I like Njoku. I think I've solidified my tight end spot, and I think that my team is solid, ready to go. I'm going with myself. Uh, yeah, I'm not shocked by that one. Uh, I am not, but 
again. I think that Alex has got it this year. I think that he is going to get some revenge from the stomping that you put down on him last year. Uh, and he, like he showed the uh, the hype video, he's been working for it. He really has. He's been doing a lot of push-ups while reciting the names of his shitty players. All right. I think that'll about do it for us. Uh, Chuck, do you have anything else for the the good people before we, we head out? Um, I hope that Brian falls off the mountain. And, and breaks <laughs> and breaks both his legs. To be fair, I think if he does, Colin and Garrison will just push forward. So, uh, I hope that Brian breaks his legs, but doesn't like not die, but just is like I was like, oh right. man, like, I just broke my legs. Like we you know where it's, where it's very inconvenient for like six months while it heals. Um, see, oh no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. And you're no, that, that, that was brilliant. <laughs> okay. Well, see, Charlie, I hope that Brian falls off of the mountain and then Colin, uh, in an attempt to save him, also falls off the mountain and they're both just stuck at the bottom of a mountain. I I think that that'd be a pretty solid win for both of us in terms of our rivalry week matchups. I think you're correct. All right. On that note, I think we're done. (laughs) Okay. Yep. All right, everyone. Be sure to check if your players have signed their contracts and set your lineups We will see you all back here next week after week one. Good luck to all. But until we see you again, peace. Yeah.